What's up, Pels fans, and welcome back to the Pelican Debrief Podcast. Now, Pelican Debrief is a division of Fansided, the ultimate home for fans. And let's face it, you are the ultimate fan, or you probably wouldn't be listening to me right now. My name is Preston Ellis, and you can follow me at Preston Ellis. That's at Preston Ellis. And you can follow at Pelican Debrief at PelicanDebrief.com or on Twitter at Pelican Debrief. That's D-E-Brief. Now, we've got a couple of very special guests. Yes, I said guests, plural, coming up in a moment. But first, we're going to start with our segment. What happened? Coming off a thrilling victory in which the Pels mastered the Blazers 100-77 in spectacular fashion. And I mentioned spectacular because of the highlight reel dunk AD and Boogie shared early in the third quarter. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. The Pels traveled to Miami on the second night of their back-to-back to take on a team that has gone 21-5 and since starting the season 11-30. Miami has been playing basketball better than anyone since the All-Star break and could be the first team ever to go 19 games under 500 and then climb back to 500 in the same season. They were the first, or sorry, fifth best defense, bottom 10th in offense, and that is where we will start because you can basically throw all of the statistics out of the window. The Heat won 120 to 112 in an offensive explosion that saw them score 66 points in the second half. 66, you heard me right. Not only are the Heat in the bottom 10 in almost every offensive category, but the Pelicans had just held the 7th best offense in the NBA to 77 points the night before. What is going on? Now, after holding one of the best three-point shooting teams to 28%, Lillard and McCollum and Aminu and you guys get it, they allowed the Heat to smoke them from three at 46%. Wow. Appels had the Heat in a dogfight deep into the fourth with a 102-101 lead, and what a half it had been to that point. The teams combined for 100 points in the first 18 minutes of the second half. Even fans were scoring, it seemed like. But in the final six minutes, the Pels sputtered as the starters re-entered the game. Some crucial fouls and turnovers led to a 19-5 run and an 11-2 run and an inevitable conclusion. So the Pels had trouble all game shutting down uh, a really spectacular performance by Goran Dragic, who paced the heat with 33 points on 11 of 18 shooting, and it was much more pleasing to the eye than it sounds. He careened through the paint effortlessly, shifting the ball behind his back at one point, laying it in. It was dazzling. I honestly didn't know he could do that. Uh, Whiteside, um, on the other hand, frustrated the Pels uh, with 20 points and 18 rebounds on 9 of or 11, often getting offensive boards, giving them second and third chances on possessions. Waiters had 14. He didn't actually shoot well. He's 5 of 15, uh, but Ellington did with 19, as well as contributions from the Johnson boys, James and Tyler. Now, it's also notable that one of the worst free-throw shooting teams in the league, averaging 66%, shot 84% on the night. Just bad luck for us, I suppose. Now, there was one point where Whiteside got fouled, and made both of his free throws, and you could heal, uh, hear Joel Myers discontent with it. Now, AD paced the Pels, of course, shocker, 27 points on 7 of 17, including 13 of 18 from the three-throw stripe, eight rebounds, three blocks, three steals, and also contributed one cut arm. He cut his arm uh, early on in the third quarter uh, to add to his list of injuries on this season, litany, if you will. Boogie gave 19 on 8 of 17 in 30 minutes. He also gave... 
five fouls, and his 19th technical foul of the year, which easily paces the league. Hill and Holiday disappointed on the night. Uh, again, Hill went one for seven. We thought he was ticking upward with uh, his great performances this week against the Blazers and the Hornets. He scored a combined 26 in those two games, but back down to his average of six points. Uh, he had to regress back to the mean as he scored four points on one of seven shooting with four fouls and some very costly turnovers. Holiday had 11 points on 4 of 12 to keep up his ugly streak since the All-Star break, although he did include 8 assists and uh, 1 turnover. He's been averaging 6 since that point, so he has been cutting down on those the, the past 3 games. Etwan gave 18, played very well. Dante, 11, also efficient. Crawford gave 10, um, and that's his 5th consecutive game with 10 points, by the way. And So every single game he's been a Pelican, you can count on 10 points. And, uh, oh, he also had some some really nice oohs and ahs with a couple of fast-break passes, an, an underarm cross-court pass that really had me jumping out of my seat. And Selden got his first NBA basket, a three-pointer. He was one of two on the night with three points. I know, exciting, but it's a no. The Pels came out flat early on in the game, but uh, brought the game to 45-47 to on the heels of a 14 Two run led by AD and the officials. He outshot the Heat. He had 12 attempts versus eight for the entire Heat uh, team midway through the second. And that kept, kept the Pels in this one as he was shooting, I believe, three of 10 at the time. He finished seven of 17, as I stated earlier. DeMarcus collected, as I mentioned, his 19th technical, which uh, is first in the league, shocker, when he wrapped up Whiteside on offensive possession. He, he hooked his arm and... and sort of shoved him off with his offset arm. It was it was dumb, um, but a technical, uh, you be the judge. Reputation can probably be the culprit of this one. The Pels came out hot early uh, as at first to the first half. In the third quarter, they came up really hot early, but ultimately trailed 85 to 79 at the end of the third. The Heat were then stated by Jen Hale as being 24-3 and on the year when leading after the third, and you could see the writing on the wall as Daniel Salerson said the Pels on the other hand, were 7-36. and 36. So the Pels went up 94-92 on a Cunningham dunk and an impressive lineup consisting of Frazier, Crawford, Moore, Dante, and Cousins that scored on 10 of 11 field goals. It was a really great group. They were running up and down the floor and getting baskets at will. Unfortunately, so were the Miami Heat. But as the starters were reinserted, the Heat quickly went on 11-2 run to go up 113-104, and the Pels couldn't climb back from there. The Pels are now five and a half games back. There are 14 left, and they are now officially 4-7 and seven in the DeMarcus Cousins era. And now, you guys are probably tired of hearing me talk, we welcome onto the line Tyler Pearson and Adam Clawson of PelicanDebrief.com, my fellow contributing writers, to talk about tonight's game. These are great guys. And you can read them taking heat checks on the site every single week, along with our awesome editor, Rick Stone, and our great group of guys. But before we chat it up with them, um, some technicalities, I should mention you can follow Tyler, and uh, this is really cool, this is Tyler Pearson, at underscore K-A-M-A-R-R underscore, I hope I got that right, big guy. Again, that's at underscore K-A-M-A-R-R underscore, that's capital K. And you can follow Adam at Adam underscore Clawson7. That's at Adam underscore Clawson7. Whew. Now that we got that out of the way, let's phone a friend. 
All right, you guys, I'm going to start with Adam. The Heat went on a 19-5 run, closed the game 120-112. to Adam, what happened? Uh, so, as of late, so personally, we shot 47.7% field goal range and then 40.9 from the three points. So, offensively, we didn't do that much different than the Blazers the other night. So, I mean, it was just all about the turnovers. And, you know, from tonight, we had 13 turnovers. And then, of course, the Blazers, we had five. So, I think that's where it all started to kick off. And we couldn't really keep, couldn't keep control of the ball as well. But we did look a little bit better in offense. But in the end, you know, a lot of the things kind of looked different as we started to wind towards the end of the game. And uh, I think they tried to force a lot of the issues. Um, Drew Holiday, to me, I, I'm like one of the biggest Drew Holiday fans. And it stinks to say this, but Drew Holiday, to me, towards the end, he, he Gordon Drogic just outplayed him. And he just looked like he was lost and trying to slow down the game. And offensively and defensively, he just they looked like they were trying to cover for him, which brought Anthony in. And they just kick it out the window and who did great from three-point range. So, Yeah. Drew went uh, 4 of 11 tonight, 8 assists. He was down on his turnovers. He only had one, which is a great improvement for him. He's been averaging 6 a game in the boogie era. All right, what about you, Tyler? What went wrong at the end there? I understand how boogie sits outside to 3 and, and try to shoot jumpers, you know, and uh, just bad shot selection towards the end. And, of course, James Johnson got hot. You know, you never see James Johnson shoot threes like that. <laughs> Just bad shot selections. Um, the offense just appears stagnant all the time towards the end of games. And uh, we just need better playmaking from Drew. Uh, I'm a big Drew Holiday fan, too. But for him to lead this offense, he has to take over. There's no, no way we can be a good team if he's just, you know, passive all the time. Yeah. I need, I need him rim running the whole game against Gordon and Gordon tonight. Being aggressive, going for a shot. You got it. Uh, you're right. James Johnson, uh, two of two from three-point range. Uh, 46% on the night for the Heat. They they were really lighting it up all night long, especially in that second half when they exploded to, to the tune of 69 points. They had 66 points overall in the second half, excuse me. And the Trailblazers all game scored 77 in the entire game. So... Uh, it's 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 a bit confounding because the Heat were supposed to be a top five defense and a bottom ten offense, and yet they scored 120 points. Adam, is this just due to the fact that we played last night? You know, uh, we haven't always played. Watching all of our back-to-back games, we don't really perform well. Um, we're not a good back-to-back team, but no, neither is anyone else in the NBA. So uh, it was. it's really interesting to see how our team just goes straight from a great defensive game, holding a team that averages 108.1 points a game and keeping them to 77, and then just blowing 66 points in the second half. That I didn't know what was going on. I just thought that eventually we'd sort it out and calm down. But, you know, I was listening to the podcast the other night uh, with you guys for uh, the Hornets, and I forgot, it was one of you two talking about um, how we don't call timeouts and change things like uh, Popovich does. And just thinking about that, you know, we didn't really change it. We just kind of said, okay, Anthony, pick us back up or something like that as time went down. And we just kind of lost it. And it felt like we just lost hold of the game. And we did claw our way back after, you know, a really slow start. And just in the end of it, we just couldn't find our way. Yeah, against the Hornets, we opened each quarter at a big deficit. I can't remember exactly offhand, but it was 
the Hornets went on a 14-0 run in the in the second quarter. In the third quarter, they came out to a 9-0 run. In the fourth quarter, they had two separate runs. I think it was a 7 and an 8-0 run to end the game before we went to overtime. This game was a little bit different. We came out real hot in the third, but then just crumpled in the fourth. And I was looking at some of our uh, clutch um, percentages. You can find all of this on NBA.com slash stats. And we go from 100 points a game in the final eight minutes to the six-minute uh, six mark, about 90, to the five-minute mark, 80. And it just goes down and down from there to 60 points a game from the last minute of the game. We basically just don't score in the fourth quarter, especially once it gets to that, to that period. Tyler, let me throw it back to you. Boogie had five turnovers in this one, many of them coming as he dribbled the ball from what Tyler was talking about earlier from the three-point line into, into double teams. He was trying to penetrate as if he was a, a scoring guard. Why is why is Boogie attacking the lane from the three-point line, and why are the Pels having such trouble getting him the ball in the low post and at the elbows? <laughs> I just think that, oh, man, it just frustrates me so much because he's a talented big, yes. He can dribble the ball, yes. But that's not his forte. That's not his strong suit. I really want Coach Gentry just to put him in the post, put him at the elbow, and let him work from there. And I think, too, we just don't have the guards that are that aggressive in order to even get him the ball in the post. Every time you see him dribble the ball off the court, when uh, Boogie get a rebound, he's waving off Drew. Saying, no, I'm going to bring the ball off the court. court." No! You pass the (laughs) ball off and you go set up. So we need need some guards or somebody. I hope Coach McMillan is hearing this. We need him to get in Drew Holiday's head and tell him to be aggressive. So, I mean... Whether whether he's out there, you know, on the on the tip of the three, top of the three, or in the post, is oh, is is just is just blasphemy to me. I don't know, Tyler. <laughs> if Drew Holiday is shooting four for twelve every night with an average of six turnovers, maybe it is time we turn the offense over to Boogie. Let him run it up the court. At least that way, we know that he'll actually run up the court versus <laughs> hanging out from under the opposing rim. What do you think about that? <laughs> true maybe true because <laughs> maybe after the all-star break drew has been awful yeah he's been awful he's so till Frazier as i played him break. he was so good and i was just like all excited and as soon as boogie got here he just got super confused and that's it's just frustrating to me definitely hey. anthony davis I, I don't know if you guys remember this this was at the top of the fourth anthony davis had the ball in the paint right in front of the free throw line he was completely wide open uncontested but he saw DeMarcus Cousins had a step on a white side, tried to float it over white side to Cousins, and Cousins just didn't know the ball was coming. It floated out of bounds for a turnover. And this is just an example of what, what trouble the Pelicans are having finding a way to communicate with DeMarcus Cousins at any point past the three-point line. It's almost like the ball can't find him unless he collects it from the three-point line. Why don't we have a player on our team, other than Jordan Crawford apparently, who can swing a pass to somebody inside the paint? I know piggybacking on that, they also talked about uh, Boogie was just bouncing around down for the post. I uh, think Drew, Drew Holiday had the ball at the three-point. He kept telling him, sit still, let's get the ball to you. I just think he's a jittery guy, man. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, we, we traded away, our, our, to me, our best guard in Tyreek Evans. He was the only guy that can literally do dribble-drive penetration the whole game. And, um, you know, he cleared Buddy Hill, so we had to give them up to get Boogie. So, for the meantime, we just have to settle for what we have. <laughs> yeah, we don't have any creators from... 
from the wings at this point, our two principal creators need to live inside the paint. They don't have anybody who can get the ball to them. And that brings me up to you guys' next favorite player, Solomon Hill, shot one for seven tonight with four points just below his season average of five points. He also contributed four big turnovers and had four fouls. With the past two games aside, he's done well against the Hornets and last night against the Trailblazers. I think he scored 26 points in those two games. With those two games aside, he is averaging 21% from three. You guys, why is he still starting? Tyler, tell me first. Well, primarily because of his defense. Um, he's an energy guy that gives it all night long on the defensive side. So we need that to complement uh, AD and Boogie down low, and especially on the wings. Because Drew and uh, this new guy, Seven, and whoever else we put in there, Hollis Thompson, they just been turnstiles on the, on the perimeter. So I, I think it's still good that he's still starting because who are you going to put out there, Dante? Dante at the three. I was thinking Dante Cunningham else. or putting Etwan Moore in there and playing a bit more small in the backcourt. You, you think that'll work? I, I don't know. It can't be any worse than this, man. It's breaking <laughs> my heart watching it out there. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I think he's still good as a as a three and D starter. But, you know, he definitely got to work on that offense in the offseason. He, he has to work on that. Yeah, it's it's at the point, though, where I don't know how much work can be involved. Um, there was one point, I think it was AD, missed a ball, and Solomon Hill had the presence of mind to get the rebound under the rim. AD had taken the other two defenders with him. All he had to do was jump and put the ball into – he could have dunked it if he had wanted to, and the ball bounced off the glass, barely grazed the rim, and went the other way and resulted in a quick three for Goran Dragic because we had three guys under the rim at that point. It was an easy, I don't remember, three on two or, or four on two. He just hurts us so much on that end. Adam, do you agree with Tyler? Do you think he should be in the starting lineup? Uh, yeah, no. So, yeah, he was – I agree with Tyler on that. I was, he was originally brought in to help our defensive efficiency. And, you know, if you look at it right now, uh, you know, we're top 10 defense, which is really interesting compared to where we came last year. So, I mean, he's, he's very good in terms of uh, defensive-wise, but offensively he does struggle a lot, which is very interesting as well because it reminds me a lot of Omar Ashik. Um, he's you know, a good defensive player, pretty decently, but on the offense he just would always bobble the ball. So, with Solomon Hill, the big difference for me is when we kick the ball out to him, so, so one of us does dribble and they drive in, they kick the ball out to him, he's always like, it's for me, I'm praying that it goes in. But like two years ago when we had Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson, I was it's, I was like, are you celebrating? Like, they're great three-point shooters. But now it's just, you know, his three-point shooting isn't there, and that's what we're relying for, and that's what we need right now as shooters. And that's why I think Jamal Crawford is shining right now. Okay, so you guys, you guys say that he's brought in there for defense, and I understand that most of the game, Drew Holiday was principally guarding Goran Dragic. But he finished, I think, 11 of 18, 5 of 8 from free throw. He scored 33 points. But honestly, uh, although that sounds ultra-efficient, he was so much better than those numbers indicate. Drew was on him for a big part of the game. Solomon took a, or some part of the game. And he single-handedly, at some points, kept them in this game and kept the Pelicans from running away from this one. Why couldn't Drew slow down, slow down Goran Dragic, Adam? No idea. Um, they're talking about that during the game. You know, he has breakout games against us every year. His highest, you know, he had his career high of 40 against us, I think they said, on watching Fox Sports. And, you know, they he just seems to just tear us apart with just shooting and even did it with a bruised eye. It's crazy. <laughs> it doesn't even need both eyes. Do you agree with that, Tyler? 
Is it just is it I just do. he's got our number? I, I really do think so. And you know, is that I'm saying some players show up, some don't. And and Drew Holiday never shows up when the big moment comes. So Goran Draga is the superior player, so Oh, you just said never, Tyler. I've got a I've got a follow up question for you. He never shows up when the light shines brightest. So you are indicating that we should not re sign Drew Holiday to a max contract this summer. I am I am definitely on board with that. He needs to gear maybe maybe near max, but definitely not a max contract. No. We can't have inconsistency. Now that we have our second superstar, nah. I'll rather spend that money elsewhere. Okay, the max is over $30 million if we opted to go for five years. Would you give him four years 100? No. No. Where do you stop? Do you stop at 20 a year? Uh, can we go a little bit higher than that? I don't think so, man. I think he's going to want a payday, but who knows? He might he might give us a hometown discount, but I don't think you're going to get him for much less than four and a hundred because according to the sporting news, the the Knicks are, are lining up to woo him and reunite him with his brother. So we'll, we'll see what happens when we get there. But if George Hill, for some reason, should leave Utah and Jeff T leaving Indiana, there could be a couple of suitors for him, the Bulls being another one among them. But I think it's going to take at least – Four and a hundred, maybe, and also nah. we are we are we are known in New Orleans for overpaying our own veterans. So that's another aspect of this. <laughs> and I and I love Drew Holiday. I love his game, but he's just inconsistent. Yeah. And would you pay four years, a hundred million for an inconsistent point guard? You know what? I got to be honest, Tyler, and I'm so glad you asked because I'm ready to start my rant. I don't want DeMarcus Cousins here, and if it came down to keeping Drew over DeMarcus Cousins, I am all on board with that. Ever since we've gotten Cousins, our team almost has this energy when he's on the floor, this this negativity, this hang your head, this this point to the ref and argue a call. We don't have time for arguing calls. Nothing you do, nothing you say to a referee is going to change their mind. If anything, you see that they target, they specifically target DeMarcus Cousins on every possession, and he gets calls against him that we all know aren't justified, but it's because they don't like him. He gives attitude after every possession. He hangs his head if he doesn't get the call. He trots up the court. We're constantly playing five on four on defense. And you can see the other players, you can see them hanging their heads when this stuff happens. When DeMarcus goes for a layup, it doesn't happen. He falls on the ground. Goran Dragic comes down with his other four guys. One of them kicks a three out of it. We lose three points and you see all the guys, just the energy suck from them. I don't want that. I want a team with these guys busting down the floor, waving their towels, getting excited, fighting, you know, biting for every single possession. This is the type of NBA team that I want in New Orleans, that grit and grind, man. Why can't we have that? Adam, if you have to choose, and this wasn't even Tyler's question, but if you have to choose between DeMarcus Cousins and Drew Holiday, which one do you choose? That's really tough, man. That's really tough because we are – Less than ten games into the boogie. How far are we into it now? Uh, we're four and seven, so we're eleven games in. Hello, Matt. We're eleven games into the boogie era, and it's just it's it's hard because you know you look at you know the Warriors bring Kevin Durant, and their argument is saying it's going to take chemistry, it's going to take time, and they were okay in the beginning, they were great, but they weren't like fantastic, and now they're doing phenomenal until he got hurt. So I mean, we don't have time, so it's hard to judge boogie based off of that. I do know he's a good player because he would. Destroy, he causes so many problems when he has that Sacramento. And so he's a big dude, and if he does what he's supposed to do, he's a great player. 
On the other hand, I love Drew Holiday to death, and I think that he spreads like the he spreads out the offense very well and makes the right decisions. But at certain times, I'm sitting there like Drew, just shoot the ball because every time he does shoot it, it goes in. But not not tonight. Not lately. <laughs> not in the past eleven games. But I mean, if I had to pick. Honestly, Drew Holiday knows the offense right now, and I like Drew Holiday a lot. I'd probably stick with Drew Holiday if we could trade book and get something out of it. But then we're just playing trade for trade, and I don't know what we're going to get out of it because people look at us as like a, you know, like a wimpy yeah. franchise or something. Eventually, we're going to need to play the same team and play them two years in a row and establish some kind of rhythm. But And, and I was going to go somewhere else with this, but uh, now that we're on this, Sean Devaney of Sporting News reports that Alvin Gentry will not be kept if he doesn't show significant progress. And at this point, with 14 games left, and... Four and seven in the eleven games we've had, we can't anticipate that we're going to go fourteen and zero for the rest of the season <laughs> and enter the playoffs. So oh, no. odds odds are he's not going to show significant progress. <laughs> so Tyler, if even if we do keep all three of these guys, we re-sign Drew, mm-hmm. we bring him back, we get him at the discount that you suggest, we're going to fire Alvin Gentry according to this, and we're going to instill a, a yet another offense for DeMarcus Cousins to learn. I think it'll be his eighth in eight years. How can we possibly improve with a new coach and a new superstar in New Orleans next year? Man, that that, that would be such a bad move, man. I, I, I just got through arguing with some people on uh, a message board about the whole Alvin Gentry being fired thing. Alvin Gentry can't shoot for you. He can't go out there and play defense. He can't go out there and tell Drew Holiday, yo, don't turn the ball over. Don't try to do an overpass with a defender right there in your face. So I I just think that, you know, to judge him on uh, this whole after the All-Star break thing, you know, you don't have time to practice. These guys don't have time to gel. They just got to get to it. I think it would be wrong for the franchise to do that. Give them another year. All right, Adam, what do you say? Uh, you know, so his last year was injury prone, and that's not his fault. And this year, you know, I'm kind of with Tyler. You know, we need another year over the offseason, let Bogey settle in, be used to the offense, and see where it goes from there. And especially if we bring back Drew, you know, that's all we need is time, and that can build chemistry. And then I think all of it will start to work out. You know, right now we don't have time for this season, but as for next season, that's what we have. All right, you guys. Uh, a little too much doom and gloom on this last line of questioning. So, so let's have a little bit of positivity and talk about Instant Grits' Jordan Crawford finishing in double digits for the fifth consecutive game. Let's be honest. I suggested this to Rick Stone. Who needs Drew Holiday when we have our third superstar already on the <laughs> roster in Jordan Crawford? And he's still on a 10-day contract. Adam, why haven't we locked up Jordan Crawford not only for the remainder of this season, but for next year as well, while we can still do it probably around the minimum? You know, we love 10-day contracts. We just love handing them out. But it, and it's a good opportunity to bring guys in, but I have no idea. Jordan... I guess it was because they weren't sure if he'd keep up the consistency, but now that he's shown us, shown us, I hope we sign him tomorrow because he's awesome to watch, man. He'll just pull up from wherever, and it's just really fun basketball. Tyler, you agree? Oh, yeah. He's a Crawford brother. He gets it from his brother, man. <laughs> he gets it from his brother Jamal, man. I think, yeah, we, we need to be called 10-day 10 day, 10 day contract central. <laughs> and you, want, you want to be on a 10-day come, come to New Orleans. No, nah, man. Um, I just think I think we're gonna lock him in. He's a gunner. Always been there since he was playing for Boston a few years back. He's a, he was a good signing. We need someone like that. 
You got it. Unfortunately, we can't re-sign him to anything above the minimum right now because it's a bit of a sticky situation. If we re-sign Drew Holiday, we're over the cap. All we can offer him is the mid-level, the biannual. Uh, the biannual, I think, is $3.1 million a year. Uh, the mid-level is about $8 million a year. And would you, you guys wouldn't be interested in handing him $8 million for next year, would you? No, they're not. No, okay, no. okay. So, <laughs> so we'll wait out for that biannual, and if we don't sign, re-sign Drew, we'll have a little bit around fifteen million to to work him in. You guys, Omri Caspi is rumored to be available. If he yes. is, and he doesn't go back to Golden State, do we try to bring him back? And how big of a mistake was it letting his bird rights go in the first place? Adam, take it. You know. Uh... A lot of people love Omar Caspi. He's good. Omar Caspi, he played great for us for his, in his one game. But, you know, when we first got him, there were jokes about, like, oh, look, we got Omar Caspi, like, as in, like, he was the main person in the trade. So, <laughs> I, I didn't hear that joke. That's a good one. I, one of my best friends did it, and I thought it was great. I was like, just a picture of looking because he was like, we got Caspi. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gosh. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're talking about, you know, a mid a, – a mid-level guy, if that, is a role player. And if we want to be successful and compete with the big four in Golden State or, you know, the quality role players or, like, the high-end guys in San Antonio, and obviously now with Eric Gordon stepping up in Houston, we got to bring in, like, top-tier guys, which is impossible with their salaries. So we have – our biggest focus has got to be sorting out salary details. Totally. And what do you say? Take it, Tyler. I think, I think we should reach uh, Aubrey. I think we should. I, I, now, we shouldn't have weighed him at all. I mean, just for a broken thumb, and you signed who? Reggie Williams, Hollis Thompson, dudes that weren't even there for basically a week, <laughs> you know? I think I think it would be good to bring him back. He's a three-point shooter. That's what this team needs. He's 6'8", big body, can run the floor. Yeah. Bring bring Armory back. Let me – you just reminded me of something, Tyler. So, Lance Stevenson gets mm-hmm. hurt. We cut him loose. Jared Jack gets hurt. We cut him loose. Omri Caspi gets hurt. We cut him loose. Do you think the Pelicans are uh, accumulating a reputation as a team who doesn't care about its players and just disposes them the moment that they're not useful anymore? Am I just stretching this? I went too far with that. <laughs> no, I was, no, no. Yeah, go ahead. No, you know, I think, I think so around the league because, you know, Matt Barnes came out. And, you know, posted that Instagram post about it. And, yeah. you know, when you just cut people and not give them that time to rehab, even though we did offer him a chance to rehab in the city, I think the stamp of trying to make the playoffs really push that. And, you know, the last year we just got injury barrages all over the place, our star players to the bench players. So I think, I think that is a little bit of a reputation that, that we built up. Yeah, I was listening to Bourbon Street Shots, and Michael McNamara had an interesting take on it. I, I couldn't find one myself. He said if they hadn't cut him loose and taken in these 10-day contracts for these Wayne Seldons, these Jared Jacks, these Reggie Williams, he never would have found Jordan Crawford. And now Jordan Crawford makes all of this worth it. Do you agree with that line of thinking, Adam? Uh, yeah. So I was originally, when you first started talking about it, I, in my head I was thinking we did the same thing with Lance Stevenson, you know. He looked promising, he got hurt, and he was gone. I, I agree with Tyler in that the playoff pushed the here and now kind of thing is what drove all of that. And last year we had a ton of injuries, and so we thought that we learned our lesson, and so we, we don't have time for injuries. But, you know, now as we're sitting here and we can't put together a long win streak to make the playoffs, we're like, well, we kind of messed up. Maybe we need them here. So, you know, um, going back to that, I, 
I don't know, man. I think that. Sorry, remind me of your question one more time. I just wanted to get So, uh, sorry, I probably uh, said it in a very confusing fashion, as I often do. So, basically, do you agree with the line of thinking that the Pelicans are in such a sore spot right now that they need every one of those 15 roster spots available? Are they justified in cutting these injured players loose uh, yeah. by signing Jordan Crawford? Yeah, yeah, that's the Jordan Crawford. Yeah, so with cutting Cassidy, we found Jordan Crawford. I think it does make sense because... Almost the same thing happened last year, and that we gave we gave these ten day contracts, and we got BDJ. Unfortunately, with his tragic event, you know that didn't end out well. But he was so promising at the time, and you know I think we look to these guys and we give them chances. And personally, for me, like my personal in, like input is a lot of these athletes from the same level, and then based off of like all star level and like a role player guy is just all confidence. So I mean, it's if you give a guy an opportunity and he can start building all things like Crawford's doing right now. There's like it's almost limitless in what he can do. So I think I'm very optimistic about him and see what he can do. Awesome stuff, you guys. Before I let you go, I'm gonna close it out. The Pels are 27-41, four and seven in the boogie era. They are five and a half games back with 14 left. Now, Tyler, paint me a picture. This is your perfect visionary ending to the 2017 Pelican season with 14 games left. How does it end in your mind's eye? Pelicans, unfortunately, don't make the playoffs. Okay. We don't make the playoffs. And I say we'll even have a bit of bad luck when it comes to that top three pick. We're not going to get the top three pick. <laughs> oh, man. Why don't you want the top three pick? I, I want the top three pick, but I just okay. have a feeling we're not going to get it. No, no, no. <laughs> I, said, I said perfect, Tyler. I want to end this on a happy note. I want. Oh, all- oh you want to end on a happy note. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, <laughs> on a happy note, we'll go maybe. Uh, how many games we got left? Fourteen. I mean, we in in your mind's eye, we could go fourteen and zero, finish forty one and forty one, pass the Nuggets, and get all the way to the finals. If that's what you want to happen, this no, is this I'm, is your perfect. I'm sorry, I'm a realist. <laughs> I just I don't see a perfect ending. <laughs> okay. I don't I don't see one. So Adam, fourteen games left. How do the Pels improve? Do you want them to completely bottom out and fight for that pick, or do you want to see some wins out of these games? I want to see some wins, man. I love. I went to the playoff game whenever we were playing against Golden State two years ago, and I just want to get back to that, man. That's what brings in people for free agency in terms of the future. So I'm going, we're winning 13 games because the, the Spurs just lost to the Trailblazers, and the Spurs are one of the best teams in the league, and we just beat the Trailblazers. We can get our chemistry up. We got this. You're crazy. I like that about you. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you guys so much for your time, everybody. Follow Adam Clausen. It's at Adam underscore Clausen 7. And help me with this, Tyler. Underscore, capital K-A-M-A-R underscore on Twitter. Is that right? Two R's. Two R's. Come on, man. I knew I should have thrown <laughs> another R in there. All right, you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Come back on here soon and have a great night. That is it. You get no more. I'm sure you've had enough as it is. Again, my name is Preston Ellis. You can follow me at Preston Ellis, and you can visit our site at pelicandebrief.com or visit us on Twitter at pelicandebrief. That's debrief, D-E-B-R-I-E-F. I can still spell. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for sending me to school. Thank you, guys. Have a great night, and let's go Pelicans. Pelicans.